Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Man, what a great day to be in church. I'm excited to be here. Who's excited to be at church? You fired up? Man, I love coming together. There's nothing like getting everybody together on a Sunday. It's like a family reunion. And uh, I want to welcome, can we welcome our San Juan family? So good to have you guys here with us. It is blowing up in San Juan. Since Easter, that church has grown 30%. And uh, just so proud of the whole team, Pastor Joel and Mel and Philip and Tracy. Uh, Their last name is Hussey, but I affectionately call them Hustle. The Hustles. And uh, just so proud of those guys. But it's great to be in church this morning. Uh, I see friends all over, family all over. I want to welcome one of our friends here today. Uh, Rex and Katrina uh, Crane are here today. Amazing, uh, amazing leaders in the body of Christ. Rex speaks all over the world, has a great ministry, signs, wonders, miracles, wisdom gift. And uh, we're honored to have you guys here with us today. It's great to have you. But uh, hey, I'm excited that we're here. It's going to be a great time. We actually just got back from our staff. Uh, We do a staff trip every summer. I think it's important to, to, to invest into your staff. I believe this, the culture of our staff today will be the culture of our church tomorrow. And, man, our, man I'm telling you, our church staff is f- fired up. We went to Mammoth Mountain, worshiping God at a 9,000 feet. We were out of breath just lifting our hands. Had oxygen tanks during work. Are you hearing me today? It was wild. But we, uh, we met with God this week. It was so fun. so beautiful up there. It's a, I wish it was a little bit closer, but man, we had a, we had an amazing week, um, getting everybody up there. We were singing, we were writing songs, we were praying over one another. It was just a powerful, powerful time. So come on, if you love the staff of Oceans Church, would you give them a good hand clap today? Honor all of you guys and ladies doing a phenomenal job. So proud of the team. But hey, if you're brand new today to Oceans, my name is Mark. This is Oceans Church. We, every week, we open up the Bible here. We believe that God speaks in many ways, forms. We believe that the Bible is clear that he shows all of creation who he is. That creation itself testifies of who God is. But God will speak many ways. I've had people give me prophetic words on sidewalks. I've been in conferences that people have prayed over me. I've I've had moments while I'm reading my Bible that I felt like God is just cutting through the minutiae of my soul and speaking to my heart. I've had moments that my wife has said something. I'm like, that hurts, but that's the Lord. Yeah. Come on. All the spouses said amen. God will speak to you in many ways. But I believe that the pro- predominant way that the Holy Spirit loves to speak to us is through this book. So every week it's our attempt that we'd open up this book, that we would read it with conviction, that we would preach it with boldness. And I believe this, that we need, to, we need to go to a church that is full of boldness, that's motivated by a burden. And I want to tell you that boldness without a burden can get, can get sharp. But I, I believe that when you, Jesus had a whip, but before he had a whip in the temple, he, he weeped over the city. And I think that our boldness has to be matched to our burden. Can everyone say amen to that? So we are fired up. I'm going to do my very best to preach like God is listening because he is. I'm going to preach like people's eternities on the line because it is. And I'm going to preach like miracles are going to break out here in a second because they are. If I can't get a Pentecostal amen, I'll take a Baptist head nod, Presbyterian eyebrow raise. I'll take a Latter-day Saint deep breath. Come on, give me something today. Come on, raise your hand if you were born on your birthday. Just making sure you're here. All right, just checking, just checking. All right, you got your Bibles? All right. Genesis chapter 15 is where we're going to turn. I'm going to read a few verses to you this morning. It says this in chapter 15. I want to go back kind of, uh, if you remember two weeks ago, 
Two weeks ago, we talked about how God is a God that as far as you can see, Abraham, we talked about vision, that without vision, people perish. We talked about how if you go to the optometrist and you don't take it serious, that you will get prescription lenses that will cause the world to be blurry. And many people are blurry in life because they don't take God serious. We talked about it. We talked about the week before that, that God brought him out. He said he showed him the land to the north, the south, the east, the west. He said, I will give you as far as you can see. So it goes on. It says that he ends up rescuing in chapter 14, Abram, before he becomes Abraham. He actually goes on a rescue mission. Say it with me, rescue mission. He goes and he has to bail out his nephew, Lot. Lot. Lot was like a lot of people in California. He moved to Sodom and Gomorrah to reach Sodom and Gomorrah, but Sodom and Gomorrah ended up reaching him. A lot of people moved to Hollywood to help Hollywood, but Hollywood helps them. And I believe one of our mandates as a church is to rescue some lots that have lost their way. We want to reach the world. You do not reach anything by becoming like it. That's why we are the Ecclesiastes. We are, we are the set-apart ones. God has set us apart with a mission and a mandate. Can I get an Amen. So he goes back in. He has a rescue mission. He gotta, he's got to find his nephew, Lot. Lot got caught up. Lot got caught up in the, in the wealth. Got, Lot got caught up in the materialism. He got caught up in the sexuality. He got caught up. He, he was a joker. He was irreverent. We know he was irreverent because the day came that angels told him, get out or you're going to die. Get your family or you're going to die. And Lot tried to tell his nephews, uh, excuse me, his son-in-laws that God is going to destroy the city. And because Lot was such a joker and he was so irreverent, it says that his son-in-laws thought he was joking. How often would you have to joke to not believe when something real was happening? I believe that nowadays, in 2022, we have men and women of God with right intentions, but they don't know the difference between reverence and humor. I love having a good time. I love telling some jokes, but you better believe we're going to be reverent. Can I get an amen? It is the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of wisdom. And Lot, somewhere along the way, lost his reverence for God and was probably so irreverent with his humor, so crash, so crude. There's people online that are theologically brilliant, but they're so crash, they're so crude. When they start saying something brilliant, I can't even receive it because they're so irreverent. You hear people like this before? Like, I agree with you, but your style is just, ah, it hurts. And I believe that lots are people that set out to change Sodom and Gomorrah. But Sodom and Gomorrah changes their family. We have many people in Orange County like this. They moved here for the American dream, the California dream. We're going to be light in dark Orange County. And they move here and the darkness becomes the light of their family. And I just feel like one of the mandates, maybe prophetic today, of our house is to be a church that actually gets lots back on track. Lost lots, Nita. They need some uncles that know how to find them and bring them out. I like, I like some of the enthusiasm in here. If you're watching San Juan, I'd say 14 people are fired up in here. My mom's here. Thanks, mom. I heard you. My mom had my back. She's not here. All right, listen. Genesis 15. I want to talk to you a little bit about this, but I want to frame this because it starts off in verse 1 with after these things. So what are the things that we're talking about? Say after. Three things that just happened in chapter 14 after these things. There was a rescue mission that got Lot out of the, the city that he got lost in. First thing that he did was he rescued his nephew Lot. Second thing that he did is he gave a tithe to Melchizedek, the priest of Salem. 
This is long before Moses gave the Ten Commandments about tithing. Listen to me very clearly. Everyone's like, well, I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. I don't need the tithe. That's under the law. Listen, giving was before Moses got the Ten Commandments. Genesis 14, it says that he gave a tithe of all that he had, which is wild because he just, he just, uh, the third thing he had to do was not only return the tithe, he had to pass the materialism test. It says after 318 of his men rescued Lot, they, they plundered four kings. How many kings? Four. Come on, stay with me today. Stay with me. How many kings? They, they plundered four kings. All of their wealth, all of their stuff. And the king of Sodom and Gomorrah, king of Sodom, he came to Abram and he said, hey, you saved us. You can have everything that you recovered. And Abram looked at him and he says, I don't need you to be my reward. I don't need any of your stuff. Hey, Sodom, you're not the source of my blessing. God is my source. Three things. Are you hearing me today? Three things. I'm setting this up. Three things that he did right before we read this chapter is he rescued his lot. He actually, he returned the tithe. He gave God, he put his finances under God's blessing, his hand, under his control. And the third thing, last thing, is he passed the stuff test. And then verse 15, let's read this. Y'all ready? We're going to have a good time today. Y'all ready? All right, verse 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. In a vision. This chapter is so awesome. You know why? There's so many things in this chapter that are the first appearance in the Bible. First appearance. Say it with me first. In the Bible, Old Testament specifically, whenever something, a concept, a word, the first time it appears, it has extra significance. First time the word of the Lord came to anybody, Genesis 15. And the word of the Lord came. To Abram. hundred times after this, the Lord would would speak and and do this, but this is the first time. Came to him in a vision saying, do not be afraid. The first do not be afraid in the Bible, Genesis 15. You still with me? Abram, I am your shield. You're exceedingly, I extended that for a reason. You're exceedingly great reward. I don't need God to reward me. No, you do. I don't need God to protect me. No, you do. We have a lot of discouraged Americans because we're asking politicians to protect us and to provide for us. But God says, I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great. Abram said, Lord, God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless. The heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said to Lord, look, you've given me no kids no offspring indeed one born in my house is one one that's not even in my house born is my heir and behold the word of the lord came to him saying this one your servant's kid he's not your heir the one who will come from your own body shall be your heir verse five one of my favorites then he brought him outside he says look now towards heaven look now towards heaven come on everyone i think heaven's this way come on everyone look up i think it's up there Look now towards heaven. He says this phrase. We know it's famous. He says, count the stars if you're able. Scientists, astronomers say there's over 100 billion stars. And I think that's a conservative count. Because God said, let there be light. And that word has not stopped. Still traveling. He says, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be barren man 
guy's about 100 years old. He's like, so shall your descendants be. And I love verse 6. And he believed in the Lord. And he believed in the Lord. I'm going to say it one more time. He believed in the Lord. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. I'm going to pray. Lord, we just love you so much. I thank you that you are the God that causes us not to fear. You are the God that is our shield. You are the God that is our reward. And you are the God that, Lord, allows us to, Lord, have so much faith that we can believe in you. So, God, today would you meet us, whether we're atheists, whether we're agnostics, whether we grew up, God, in maybe a church that we've never encountered your presence. Today, would you meet us here? I pray that we'd all leave in agreement that God was here today, that the Spirit of God met us. Fill us and lead us. Guide us and bless us. We thank you so much, Lord, for a great season for the Lakers, for the Dodgers and the Angels. We thank you even for the Ducks. In Jesus' name, and God's people said amen. I always lose some enthusiasm there at the end. We were in Mammoth, and uh, you know what's funny? When I was growing up, I, I, I didn't know. I mean, we, I, I was raised in the city. I, I grew up in the high desert, home of Afro Man and Paul George. Can I get an amen? It's a stomping grounds. I grew up in Palmdale, Lancaster, and like Los Angeles, it's L.A. County. Uh, when you're outside at night, you see the darkness, but sometimes it's hard to see the stars. That's funny. Even here in Orange County, you look up at night, you see a couple of stars, but one of my favorite things to do about going to the mountains is you start seeing things clearly. Yeah. Something about that high elevation. Come on, the nosebleeds. <laughs> so you know you're in a high place. Like, my nose is bleeding. I'm, I'm dying. Uh, but you go up to these mountains and uh, you start seeing the stars. You start seeing things in the sky that were always there, but you just couldn't see before. Right. Stars are always in the sky, but oftentimes we can't see them because of the atmosphere that we're in. Right. You track with me today. The atmosphere. Atmospheres are really, really a big deal. You get smog, you get pollution. I think sometimes it's hard for us to see God's promises because the atmospheres that we're in. Kind of the fog layer of doubt, generational garbage. We get in these atmospheres and God says, I got stars out there. You just can't see them because you're not high enough with me yet. Elevation's a powerful thing. The higher you go, do you know there's, there's less air at higher elevations? You know that there's an elevation point, they call it a snake line. A snake line is when you get high enough on a climb that you get to the point that trees no longer grow and, and uh, there's no longer trees and there's no longer snakes because the air is too thin for, for snakes to survive. There is points that God takes us up onto with mountain that changes the environment. One of the coolest things about God taking you up onto a mountaintop is you start seeing what's always been there. When I was a kid, I, I, I wasn't a great student. I've, I've shared that before. I, <laughs> I wasn't a great, I was like, I, I just like, I like, yeah, I didn't, wasn't a good student. <laughs> but I, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know astronomy. I, I didn't study the stars. I would always go with my friends on these camping trips and they'd all be smarty pants. Like their dad was the boy scout leader and they would be like, Hey, come over here. There's the little dipper. There's the big dipper. You see Jupiter over there. And I'd always just be like, yeah have no idea what I'm looking at. Just looks like a bunch of stars in the sky. They're like, you see Orion's belt? I'm like, oh, of course. Of course. I would just guess it, kind of fake it till I make it. Come on, somebody. I think I see it. I don't know. This all looks the same to me. It's like, I don't know if that's a satellite, an airplane. I don't know if that's a Russian satellite or a Chinese satellite. I don't know. Are we going to war? Like, I don't know what's going on. Just looking at the stars. 
And uh, I was thinking about this. It's crazy that the, the era of time that we live in is uh, we're up in Mammoth. We're up at 9,000 feet. And we finished up that night, had this powerful night with God. And all of us went outside to the back patio and we start to look at the stars. And I had this flashback of my childhood. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to lie again about knowing what the Big Dipper is. I have no idea what this is. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's great. So awesome. And then someone was brilliant enough to actually give my daughter a phone that has this technology on it that all you do is you point the camera at the sky and it identifies everything for you. My whole life. I mean, I needed this my whole life. I think I was just born in the wrong dispensation. Come on. I would have got good grades if I would have had Surrey. Come on. It's wild. I uh, was thinking about this, looking at the stars. And uh, my little one, Chloe, she's seven. She's like, she was so fired up. The phone died because she was using it so long, looking at all these apps. And she had to go inside and charge it. And she, she had it plugged in. And she came running into the living room. She goes, Daddy, I got to show you the stars. I just got to show it to you. She was fired up. So she brought the little thing. I'm like, look, babe, I'm not good at looking at stars. You don't know my background. I said I had a bad experience. And uh, she's like, no, Daddy, I have this. I have this. It's like, you're going to like it, Daddy. Check this out. And we went outside. I've never done it before, but she looked up to the stars, and it started identifying. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that bright light, that's not China. That's Jupiter. That's not a satellite. That's not a drone. That's, that's Jupiter. And I saw, like, there was all these planets we started seeing. And for the first time, there's the little, there's the big, there's a rod. There's like, oh, my gosh, everything's up there. And this, this app on the phone identified what's always been there for me. I was thinking about, you know, I'm not a big, I'm, if you guys have been going oceans for a while, you know, I'm not like a, a some past, I'm not, I love them, uh, but I'm not, I'm just not good at it. But I'm not an illustrated sermon guy. You know, some, some churches, like every week is an illustrated sermon. They got like ladders on the stage. They got like cranes and ropes. People are flying. I don't ever do any of this. I'm like, I don't know if I'm just not like, I guess I'm too scared of ropes or height. I don't know. I just don't use uh, props. But I was thinking about this, that God with Abraham, after he rescued Lot, after he returned the tithe and gave God his finances, and after he actually passed the materialism test, it's crazy that the thing that God did is he made a promise to him. And what's wild, this is my favorite part, is God's first illustrated sermon. He used the stars. God does the illustrated sermon. Hey, Abram, all right, I heard you. Let's go outside. Look up. You see all those stars? I got a sermon for you. I want you to start counting them. Okay, that's tough. <laughs> you ever try that? I get, it's like counting sand at the beach. I remember one time, like, I want to count. I was trying to, like, be this great, you know, rabbi teacher with my kids. Grab the sand. like, you know, kids, come here. God's thoughts are more than all these grains. One. Ten. Twenty. Couldn't do it, right? You start counting the stars. And it says that God's illustrated sermon was, so shall your descendants be. Pretty wild. I was thinking about this, that Abram, he passed a few big tests. And I think that one of the things God is looking for in the era of time that we're in right now is he's looking for people that he can make promises to. I want to remind you that Christianity is not about your promise to God. It's about God's promise to you. That's what it's about. It's about God's promises to you. 
Many people, they, they go, no, but God, if you, if you bail me out, you give me this job, you get me out of trouble, if I don't get, if I don't get you know, a, a prison sentence, or if I don't die this disease, I'll give you my life. And I'm, I'm not saying you can't make a deal with God, but I'm saying this, Christianity is not about you pledging a promise to God. It's about believing the promises that God has spoken to you. After these things, he lived on mission, he passed the, the, he put everything under God's control, and he passed the stuff test. He says, after these things, God reminded him, hey, a couple things, Abram, I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. Do not be afraid. I love that God doesn't tell us not to do things without giving us a reason why. First thing he says, I want you to write down. First time in the Bible, God says, do not be afraid. Genesis chapter 15. Abram, do not be afraid. Now listen to me. He should have been. Because he's living in an ancient world, and he just plundered four kings. There's a good chance that when you get beat up, come on, sometimes you go get your friends. And you go, the guy that beat me up, we're going to get my friends. We're going to go back. We're going to attack this guy. There is a good likelihood that Abram with his 318 servants, they were going to expect a retaliation of the kings they just attacked. So I'm sure there was a little of anxiety, like, man, we won the battle, but they could come back. Man, we just did something great for God, but what if we end up getting attacked because of it? A lot of times there's repercussions of taking ground. You ever done it before? You ever take ground in your faith with your, with your walk with God? You ever made a decision to God in church? You gave God more of your heart? You ever surrendered your life to God? And it was like that week, all hell broke loose. I thought it was going to get easier. And God's like, no, sometimes it gets more difficult when you give me your life. Because you're no longer swimming with the stream of salmon that the Satan's leading. You start swimming upstream. You start going against the flow. You start being in the world but not of the world. You start standing out instead of fitting in. What the heck? Resistance. Resistance. And I love the fact that he says, hey, I know you're probably naturally freaked out right now. Because four kings or might, might come after you, but let me give you a really good reason why we do not have to live our lives in fear. Number one, do not be afraid because of two things. Uh, I will be your shield. Here's the promise in 2022 to every one of those that's listening in these tents, listening to San Juan, those online, is that God is a God that promises that if you will give God your heart, your soul, love him with all you got, give him your everything, that he will, like Abram, he will do an illustrated sermon and prove that you will be blessed, that you will actually be protected, you will be provided for, and he'll use the stars to remind you. You hear me today? It's a big deal. It's crazy. Even when life is dark, you can still see the stars. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. There, there, was, there was a while that that this was a dark season, but he says, look, do not be afraid, for I will be, I want to get this in your soul today, I'm not going to live my life in fear in 2022, regardless of political positions, regardless of recessions and droughts and famines and, and wars and rumors of wars. Number one, I will not fear. Why? Because God promised to be my shield. And I'm telling you today that we don't need an easier life, we need a bigger shield. Can I get an Amen. When you got a big enough shield, you can charge some giants. When you got a big enough shield, it'll cover everything that's behind it. Many people, they don't have a big shield. The Bible says the, the shield is the what? The shield of what? Come on, Ephesians, what does it say? The shield of what? Do you know that your life is only as big as your faith? And your faith is only as big as your God. 
You know why many people don't do great things in life? Because they have a small God, small faith, and they have a small shield. I want to have a big shield because I have faith in a big God. And I'll be honest with you, I think sometimes we don't do anything in life because we don't have faith in anything big. This is a big deal. Your life is only as big as your faith, and your faith is only as big as your God. If you look to yourself, you will get discouraged. But if you look to God by faith, you will get encouraged. You are my shield. Can I get an amen? Say it all over Ocean's Church. You are my shield. What does that mean, Mark? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians that the enemy shoots arrows at us. That it says that he throws darts at us. That's why Paul said, put on the full armor of God, that you might be able to stand against the wiles, the darts of the enemy, having done all, stand. What do you pick up? The shield of faith. Paul said that you have the victory, and the victory is your faith. Do you know what your shield is? It's your faith. Don't be afraid. Why not? Because um, I got a shield for you. It's called the shield of faith. And when I'm protecting you, those four kings can't do anything to you. When I'm looking out for you, when I am your personal bodyguard, guarding your home, monitoring your family, taking care of your babies, the enemy might come in like a flood, but listen to me, I will raise up a shield. I will raise up a standard. Good spot for an amen. You guys doing okay still? So here's what I've learned is that God wants to be our shield. And this is probably one of the coolest promises in the Old Testament. He goes, hey, I won't just protect you. I'll provide for you. I'll be your exceedingly great. I'll be your exceedingly great reward. This is so rad. I love this. This is so cool. He promises that I'll provide for you. You know what's crazy? And this is what I felt the Lord just even telling our church. He had the chance to get rich from Sodom. He had the chance to let the king of Sodom be a source. He had the opportunity, and this is the reason why he said, no, I'm not taking anything from you, king of Sodom, because if you make me wealthy, you're going to take the credit for it. And the only person that's going to get credit for my life counting on the earth is God. You are not my source. God is my source. And I think this is so awesome because God promises, hey, you know how you just turned down a really big reward from Sodom? I'm going to give you an even greater reward. Here's what I learned. Catch this. Everyone up, come here for a second. Is that sacrifice to God is never really sacrifice. Because anything that I give God, God will always do more for me than I do for him. That doesn't mean that if you give dollars, you get dollars always. It doesn't mean if you give time, you always get time. It doesn't mean that if you give love, you always get love. But it does mean this, that when I give to God sacrificially, God will always honor the seeds that I sow in obedience. Amen? So we know this, that he, he makes a promise. He says, I will be your exceedingly great reward. If you can grasp this, this is powerful. The, probably the most powerful four words in all of this book is, I am your reward. Genesis 15, great promise. I am your reward. If you, if you can, I don't think we can grasp this, honestly. God himself is the reward to his faithful people. God himself. So many times in America, we treat God like a genie, that if I just rub him a little bit, and I just kind of do what I want, that he wants me to do, and I'll get a couple wishes, and if I go to church, God will like kind of do something good for me, and that if I can just please God, he'll take his hand, and he'll bless me. 
And I want to tell you today that God is not, listen, the blessing of God is not his blessing. The blessing of God is God. The blessing of God is not what he gives you. It's himself. I'm telling you, most people, they want, a, they want a God that's made in their image, that gives them what they want when they want it, and they say, God, bless me with your hands. Listen to me. The blessing of God is not what's in his hand. It's in what's in his heart. If you go after God's heart, you'll get what's in God's. But in America, we go after what's in God's hands. Bless me. Bless me. Bless me. Instead of going after God's heart, I want to know you. My kids go after loving me. I'm telling you everything that I got. Up to half my kingdom, Kenzie. Up to half of my kingdom, Chloe. If you love me, you go after me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, listen, you, you don't even have to. I'll probably give it to you anyways. I'm actually working for you right now. That's what that's the truth is. You have that revelation when you become a grandparent. It's like, okay, everything that I do in life, I'm working for these grandkids. They're going to inherit all of it one day. What's wild is, is what's, what's in God's heart is the reward. And I have found that walking with God these last 20 years, it's the greatest thing that he's ever given me wasn't something that he gave me. It was getting to know him. Bible says that when you get to know the Lord, you get wisdom. Solomon says wisdom is greater than rubies. It's greater than Rihanna's diamonds. Come on. That's a whole joke right there. This is wild. This is the greatest thing that God gives us is himself. You still with me today? So God says, I will be your shield. I will be your exceedingly great reward. And then it says, he brought him outside, and he goes, here's proof. Here's my illustrated sermon. He breaks the ladder out, gets the rope. Not really. He just gets him outside of his normal environment. And as soon as Abram pops out of the tent, he says, look up. Count the stars. And I really feel like this is, a, this is a, a, a Kairos moment for our church. This is an appointed time for our church to stop believing what we see in the natural alone and lift our eyes to heaven and say we are a people that we don't, we're not going to be fearful of what's happening in America, what's going on in California, that the, the plots of the evil one are going to come to nothing, that God is our shield. God is our exceedingly great reward and we're going to now look towards heaven and i'm going to believe god as i look to heaven do you, know you have two choices when you see the stars you can believe in god's promises or you can believe that that's listen that there's really comes down to two types of people in life there's those that say god has said and there's those that say has god said two types of people abraham said god has said as i see the stars so shall my descendants be. We're old. We live in a senior citizen center. But God turns senior citizen centers into maternity wards with promises. And we're going to have a child in old age because I see what I see and I know what God has said. Listen to me. Two types of people God has said or has God said. You know what the devil said in the garden? Has God said? Some of you today, you're, you're living in doubt. You're half in, half out. You're one foot in, one foot out. I think God's real, but you're not fully surrendered to him. Because every time you come to church, you feel this faith that God has said. And the moment you leave, you get around negative Nancy and critical Karen and, 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 and unbelief. Uh, Uncle Rico. You get around these jaded people. That's why Psalms, Psalms 1 says, blessed is the man who walks not 
in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Why do you say you're blessed? Because if you don't put critical people around you, you'll believe that God has said. Not, uh, has God said? Has God said? We live, in a, we live in Sodom and Gomorrah. That lots have been literally, they've been trampled on in this, in this region. Has God said you can't look at porn? Has God said you can't get drunk? Has God said you can't flirt with someone that's not your spouse? Has God said? And we're trying to go to heaven with none of the godliness of heaven on earth. There is a different, ladies and gentlemen, between being gifted and being godly. We have a lot of gifted people in the world today, a lot of gifted lots. But being gifted in, in Sodom and Gomorrah is different than being godly in Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't want to just be gifted. I want to be godly. Can I get an amen? There is a difference. God has said. Now, has God said? Miracles really can't happen anymore. Has God said that you give me a miracle? Holy Spirit's not for today. Has God, has God said? The, all, all the good things in the Bible, they, they dried up with the apostles. Has God said? I'm annoying myself. I'm going to smack myself right now. We have cynical, critical people in Orange County getting bullied by Sodom because we're trying to argue over, has God said? I know what God said. I got 66 books, 42 authors, 1,600 years, no contradictions, written by prisoners, written by kings, written by Pharisees, by tax collectors, by fishermen. I got a book that promises me what God has said. And I'm going I'm to stake my life not on this doubt of has God said, but on this idea that God has said, he is my shield. God has said, he is my exceedingly great reward. God doesn't need a good economy to bless your life. God doesn't need a perfect government to bless your family. God doesn't need a perfect neighborhood to give you a strong family. Well, I don't want my, I don't want my kids to be raised by this, this region. You're not, this region's not raising my kids. I'm raising my kids. You hear me? I didn't move to California for California to reach my family. I moved my family to California for my family to reach California. He is my shield. He is my exceedingly great reward. And he looked to the stars and he believed. He believed. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, we could boil it down to this one idea. It's either man created God and life is about man's standard. Or it's about God created man, and life is about God's standards. Let's boil it all down. Let's get rid of all the minutia. Why should I live for God? Listen, it's either God created us, and if he did, we got to live according to his manual. Period. Or God is a figment of man's imagination, and we created God. And if we did, then yeah, we can make any standards we want. We can call the piano a drum set. We can call the drum set stairs. We can call the fan a person. You can worship whales, donkeys. You can worship trees. You can do whatever you want to get into. If you want to, you want to make God in your image, you can name stuff however you want to name him. But if God made us, he's not running our playbook. We're running his. Has God said? Or, no, 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 God has said. He's my shield. I don't have to be afraid, even though I got four kings coming for me. God's my protection. I'm your exceedingly great reward. I, man, it could be a recession, could, could be some crazy stuff that happens. Food shortages. You know, cheap gas is only found at Taco Bell right now. A lot of crazy stuff going on. 
How do we find, how do we find provision? Well, good news, ladies and gentlemen, God has said that he'll be our reward. You know what my reward is? I don't need my boss to bless me. I don't need my employer to like me. I hope he does. But listen to me. God is my source. I want to remind you, you know why I return the tithe? You know why I pass the materialism test? You know why I live my life on mission, rescuing lots? Because I believe that if I do what God's asked me to do, that like Abram, he will say to me, don't live in fear. I'm your shield. I'm your reward. And count the stars. Count the stars. Count the stars. God asked you to do things that you could never do to remind you how big he is. I would like to serve Orange County a notice that we believe in a God that came into the world as a baby. The only language that Jesus spoke as a baby was crying. He spoke the language of crying when he came into the world. He was crucified as a man. He was buried. His body was buried in a tomb. And the fourth part of this message we call Christianity was, is he rose again and now he sits on a throne. Baby, cross, tomb, throne. And if God sits on the throne and he makes intercession for us, it's like treasure hidden in a field that a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he sold all that he had and he bought that field. I would like to remind you today that that analogy, that parable, is one of the most misunderstood parables in the Bible. That is not about me and you finding the kingdom, hiding the kingdom, and buying the kingdom. We couldn't do that. The kingdom's too big for us to hide. The kingdom's too expensive for us to buy. The parable is about Jesus. Listen to me. The man is Jesus. The field is the world. The treasure is us. Who had possession of the field? The devil. What did Jesus do on the cross? Are you hearing me? I feel like going somewhere for a second. Oh, you, you got the treasure in the field, Satan? Not anymore. I found it. I'm going to give up all that I have. I'm going to wrap myself in, in my, my divinity is going to be wrapped in humanity. I'm going to come as an innocent baby. I'm going to die on a cross innocent. I'm going to rise out of an empty tomb. I'm going to sit on a throne because I'm going to give everything that I have to buy the field, the world, because the treasure in it belongs to me. That's why it says that in 1 Corinthians that you were bought at a, what price? The life of Jesus. Well, my life doesn't matter. I, I'm worthless. My dad said I'm worthless. My teacher said I'm worthless. My uncle said I'm worthless. I would like to remind you an economic lesson today. That value is determined by what someone is willing to pay for it. And if God says, I got to give my life to redeem the treasure in the 17th row, to redeem the treasure in Dana Point, to redeem the treasure in Irvine, if God says you are worthy of my life, your life has intrinsic value. You're gonna clap. I wish you would give God a good hand clap. Get him off your seats. Come on, get him off your seats. We're done. We're done. Give God one roaring hand clap today. San Juan in here, just stand to your feet. Feel his anointing, feel his presence. There's someone in here named Willie or, or Will or Wilson maybe. And I just feel like the Lord today is healing a part of your body. You've had surgeries on it. It didn't recover right. And even right now, God is removing pain, arthritis. God says, you're like, God, this doesn't matter to God. And God says, no, if it matters to you, it matters to me. 
Someone in here, you have some sort of issues with your ovaries. God right now is healing your ovaries. I see someone in here, you have a problem with reproduction. Even in your own body, there's a guy in here, you can't get, your, you can't get pregnant. And I just see the Lord even today healing the barren. There is going to be a season. You mark my words, 12 months from now, we'll be dedicating a myriad of new babies. I don't care if you're in San Juan. I don't care if you're here today. Who believes in a God that does miracles? Anybody? We're not doubters in this church. Has God said? No, we're like, no, God has said. I will send my word and I will heal your bodies. That you will pray for the sick and they will, they will recover. I know the will of God. It's in this book. God says pray for the sick. That's his will. So that's what we're going to do. I pray right now all over this room, San Juan in here, that God, you would meet us. How many today would say, you know what I want to do, Mark? I want to live my life on mission. I'll say, God, you want me to rescue some lots? You want me to fight for those that have lost their way? You want me to leverage my livelihood, my servants, my household to make a difference in building this thing called the church? Abram was a, he's a picture of the early church. That he leveraged his resources in the church to reach those that were lost in the world. That's what we still do today. We go from Ocean's Church on Sunday mornings in a parking lot in San Juan Capistrano into highways and byways and boardrooms and classrooms to rescue lots that have lost their way. And I pray, Lord, as we do that, we put everything under your control. I'm going to be bold today. I feel like some of you, we have business people in our church that are so blessed financially, but you've never surrendered your life under the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, do what I say. That is the fruit of a disciple. I will do what you say. And if Abraham was a tither, I'm going to be a tither. Why do you say that? Because some of you, it's easy to give God your time, your prayers, your attention, but you've never put your finances under God's care. What does that mean? Every time you get paid, first, first check you write is to God. First person you honor is Jesus. That's what it's all about. Abraham gave, returned the tithe. And then he passed the materialism test. And when, when, when Sodom and Gomorrah didn't get him, God says, after these things, he promised him, don't be afraid. Fear is leaving. I got your business. I got your family. I got your children. Don't be afraid. I am your shield, protector, your great reward, your provider. Count the stars. You're here today. Come on, say it all over the room. Say, Holy Spirit, we're done. Say, what are you saying to me through this message? Now watch this. This is how cool God is. How many feel challenged? One of those six areas. I either need to start living on mission to rescue some lots. Or how about, let's backpedal. There's seven things today. How many feel like maybe you're like Lot? I started off wanting to live for God, serve God, but somewhere along the way, I let society influence me more than God. And today, I would ask the Lord to rescue me. I'm in bondage to perversion. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe you're in bondage to fear. Maybe you have panic attacks. Maybe night terrors. Some of you, you have substance abuse going on. Some of you, you're living a really good life, but you're just so hollow on the inside because you've achieved everything that Sodom said to achieve and you're still empty on the inside. If you're here today and you say, Mark, I would love it if Jesus would rescue me. All over the room, if you're not living for Jesus, maybe you've never had a God encounter. Someone, God's getting ready to save your soul, but right now he's healing your left leg. I don't do this very often, but I feel like God is even extending length to a leg right now. God can do anything. Who believes that God can do anything? I don't know, has God said? No, no, God, God said He can do anything. I see God healing a leg right now. Literally growing out a leg right now. Creative miracle. I've seen almost every miracle in the Bible. And right now, God's healing your leg. 
It's going to heal your hips that have been messed up. Your back's all messed up because of the height of your legs. God is healing you. And as he heals your body, he says, if I could do that to your leg, what could I do for your life? All over the room, I feel like I'm lost in, in Sodom. And I would love it if today God would rescue me like Abraham rescued Lot. Would you do me a favor? I want to give my life back to Jesus. Or for the very first time, really surrender every part of my life. Some of you go to church, but you've never given God your, your heart. Never, never, never really got involved. Never really believed in tithing or giving or serving or building. You're just living for your own castle, not God's kingdom. Today's the day that I'm going all the way in. First time decision, I want to make Jesus my God. Or for the for, or rededicating your life, saying, I want to give God my whole life. Where are you at today? I want you to raise your hands all over the room. One, I'll give you three seconds. Just raise your hands. Two, many today. San Juan, I want you to raise your hands. Eyes closed, heads bowed. This is why God brought you here today. Three, real high. He's going to heal some of you physically. Yeah, there's one, there's two. Real high, there's three, there's four, there's five. Real high, real high, there are five. I see six. Real high, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. I'm not going to embarrass you. I saw six hands, seven hands. Anybody else? Seven hands, seven hands. I see seven hands in here. It's awesome. Put your hands on AC in the very back. Eight, thank you. Pray this prayer, oceans, those people say, Jesus, I invite you into my life. Rescue me from Sodom. Rescue me from Babylon on the outside and the inside of me. Forgive me, heal me, restore me, and fill me with your sweet Holy Spirit. I am your treasure. Jesus' name. Now watch this. You need healing in your body. This is so cool. God's going to show you that he's your shield and he's your reward. If you need a physical healing, someone, you have tumors in your body right now, multiple tumors. There's seven tumors in your body. God is dissolving tumors in this service. There's someone in here, you have some sort of like, uh, like uh, hyperglossemia or whatever it is. I see the Lord healing that right now. There's even someone that you have some sort of rash. It's starting to go from, from areas that you can hide it to areas that you can't hide it. See it coming out of your out of your t-shirt line, out of your pant line, your short line. And even right now, God is going to begin to heal rashes. How many believe that God can do anything? Anybody in Orange County still got some faith? I just need two or three of you to believe. Two or three believe? Is there two or three to believe? Will some faith rise then real quick? We'll be out of here. Watch this. You need a healing in your body. You're brokenhearted. You're downcast. Or you're here and you say, Mark, I got a physical issue. Would you pray that God would heal me? Just lift your hands right now. We do this every week at Ocean's Church. Every week, people give their lives to Jesus. Every week, people get healed. Because every week, we knock on this door. Hands up real high. We're, we're not weird if we raise our hands. We're honest. You're not weird when you raise your hands. You're honest. Come on, raise your hands. Raise your hands all over. This is a place to get prayer. This is a place to get prayer. If your hand's up right now, find someone next to you. Find someone next to you. Put your hand on someone's shoulder. If your hand's not up, find someone. Everyone gets a hand on their shoulder. Everyone gets a hand on their shoulder. Everyone gets a hand. I don't care. I don't like people praying for me. Well, get over it. The Bible says to lay hands on the sick. We lay hands on you right now. In Ocean's Church with some faith, we say it like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, say I want to do the same thing. Say, Jesus. You said. You said. Get some faith. You said. We would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. I ask you to heal my soul, body, spirit right now, right here. Miracles, signs, wonders, healings. Jesus' name. There's someone, I don't want, don't raise your hand, but there's someone on the verge of bankruptcy. And I saw the Lord tell me, I see this that this week you were going to file papers for bankruptcy. 
And this week, God is going to give you an idea. He's going to give you a relationship. And he's going to merge an idea and a relationship. And there's going to be a job opportunity. You want, Mark my words. In seven days' time, instead of filing bankruptcy, you're going to get an opportunity that's going to get you out of debt. I, I, I had this one other time in our church's history. There was a guy in our church that had a car dealership. He was getting ready to go under, and I prayed, and, and God gave him the same word. He said, in three days' time, I'm going to give you a new job, a new career that's going to get you out of debt. You're going to pay this off, and you're going to be abundantly blessed. This guy in our church, that week, he said, Mark, it didn't take three days. It took 24 hours. He got a call on Monday. This guy, I tell you who he is. This guy, he's become one of the big givers of our church. He's actually helped support, build orphanages in India. He's built three major businesses in the last three years started in a moment like this this is an atmosphere of miracles 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 come on if you need a breakthrough even in your business raise your hands i feel miracles stirring miracles stirring miracles stirring holy spirit breathe holy spirit break through holy spirit open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing there would not be room enough to contain in jesus name Sing it one time. Yeah. Wake up our hearts, wake up our souls. We welcome in the new thing you're doing. The new thing you're doing. Come on, let the fire fall. say today I enter in come on say it to a new chapter prophesy over yourself a new season I'm not afraid for God is my shield God is my exceeding the great reward in Jesus name if you love them today give a good hand clap all over these tents thanks for listening to our podcast have a great week